0: Well, hi, everybody. It's good to see you all. Um, whew, Ash and I are, uh, we're in May, aren't we? So next month, we're actually moving. Six, six weeks on Wednesday, we'll be, uh, we'll be moving to Canada. Those of you that don't know, we're uh, moving to be senior associate leaders. <laughs> Woo! One Canadian who's, uh, yeah. That's good, thanks, Amy. Um, to go and be the uh, senior associate Pastors in catch fire in Toronto, and then ultimately to be the senior leaders, if the Lord wills that, and we don 't mess up, I suppose, yeah <laughs> so um, i I felt like I just as I was pr- waiting on the Lord as to what to preach, I felt like I wanted to preach a message as if this was you know my last six weeks with you and um, and so I want you I want to invite you to John chapter fifteen. Um, uh, we're going to read from verse 9 to verse 17, and um, I'm, while we're turning to turn into there, I want to just encourage those of you that didn't, weren't able to watch last week, I really, really love Dunk's message on life in the kingdom and what it looks like for us living in the kingdom, that we're now uh, out of the dominion of darkness, we're now under not just an old covenant where it was based on our obedience, but we're now under this new covenant, this new promise from the Father that is based on the performance of Jesus and that we have now come out of the dominion of darkness and we've come into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And the kingdom that you and I, we live in, is the kingdom of the beloved, Jesus the beloved. And so um, life in the kingdom is one of uh, 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 Christ on the inside of us, Jesus with us, power of the, the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, and our, uh, a Father that loves us in an open heaven all, all around us. Uh, and so I want us to kind of talk a little bit about a bit more into that what is life in the kingdom look like. And uh, So John 15 verse 9 to verse 17, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full, or your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Amen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain or should last, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give, it, give you. These things I command you, that you love one another." It's the word of the Lord. Uh, some challenging words from the Lord, actually, but word of the Lord nonetheless. So I've got some points. I'm going to kind of let them lay them out for you now, just scripture like verse by verse, really. The first thing, I, and it's really a charge for us as a church family, that I, I, from my heart, I feel feels like the Holy Spirit wants to charge you all with. The first thing is to abide in or remain in His love. The second thing is to be obedient which is a challenge. The third thing is to be full of joy. The fourth thing is to love one another, which is also a challenge. Uh, the fifth thing is to pursue intimacy, because that's on offer from Jesus. And the final thing is to go and bear fruit that Jesus has appointed each one of you, each one of us to bear fruit. So if we don't get through all of those points, that's, you can pick it up because it's just from the scripture, right? So it's like, what was his points again? Just read the verses, you'll be fine. Okay, so the first point I just, I really felt strongly about is this sense of abiding in the Father's love. Uh, and we've been on our own journey, I've been on my own journey over the last few, few months of just, um, obviously we, we're moving, we've got a lot of things going on, we're Spending one week a month up in Toronto. So we've got a lot of responsibilities that are growing there. And then responsibilities here that have continued. And then packing up, getting things ready, getting the house ready. I haven't done much packing yet. Ash has been doing most of it. Um, but, you know, just lots of things going on. And, and, and the, our, you know, our life, our life circumstances challenge us as to whether we're going to really remain and live in the Father's love. Okay, so this is the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is this, that that we are loved unconditionally. So, what Jesus is saying here is that the Father has loved Jesus. How has the Father loved Jesus? Well, he's loved him for all of eternity. He's loved him passionately. He's loved him unconditionally. He's loved him in a way that's unending and unfailing. He loved him... For all of his existence, the Father and the Son have existed together as, which is, you know, forever and ever and ever, they've existed together as Father and Son in a community of love. And so Jesus is loved by the Father completely and totally. Not just based on the things that he's done, although he talks about his obedience, which we'll come back to in a, in a bit. But first and foremost, he's loved because the Father loves him and has lavished his affection upon him. When Jesus went into the baptismal pool, you know, waters of the Jordan, and when he came out, and the heavens were open, and the, the, the dove came, and, and, and the voice from heaven spoke over him, it was this, you're my son in whom I love, in you I am well pleased, I'm really proud of you, son. You're amazing, you're awesome, and Jesus hadn't done anything in terms of miracles or anything at that point, but he had the Father's love and affection. Could you imagine the Father only loving Jesus when he felt like it, when it was a good day? Can you imagine the father waking up one morning and go, you know, I'm in a bit of a grumpy, grumpy mood today. I'm not really sure about Jesus. He's kind of irritated me today. He's kind of like got under my skin. He's, you know, I- I'm just not going to love him today. Can you imagine that? No, is the answer, right? Unless you need to check your theology, I suppose, but. He's loved him from all of existence. So, but Jesus is saying this, the way that the Father has loved me unconditionally, intensely, perfectly, without fail, without, um, uh, you know, he's believed all things and hoped all things. He's, he's been affectionate towards him for all of eternity. That same way is the way that the Father has loved you and I. It's the way that Jesus, I should say, loves you and I. Jesus loves us the way that the Father loves Jesus which is pretty amazing, which means it's unending, unconditional. Un- for us, it's, it's actually unmerited. It's unending. There's nothing that can separate us. There's nothing that can come between us and the love of Jesus. There's nothing Amen. that can come there. And we are loved unconditionally by Jesus. Not only that, but if we look in, in, in uh, John chapter 16, next, next chapter, Jesus says, "It's not just I that love you, but it's the Father Himself who also loves you. You are, you are loved. Glory, you are loved. I am loved. Not because of the things that we've done, not because of our own ability, not because of our own goodness, but because of the performance and the worth of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why the gospel is good news, not just good advice. Right." Because the Father loves us, and He loves us in the same way. And, you know, we can know this theologically, right? I I can give you a good doctrine of, yeah, I know the Father loves me. Uh, You know, I've, I've, I've been to schools, I've been to classes, I've experienced the Father's love. But, you know, it's easy in the middle of life to let that get sideways on you, right? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning. But... Here's the thing. Over the last few weeks, what I've realized is, I didn't realize this until the last couple of uh, last couple of days, that the the the, the stress and the stuff to, to be doing, and the move, and the packing, and the just you know just the heart processing, and all the things that I've I've had to we've had to we've been working through, and being in two places, and you know all of that has actually become a big had actually become a big weight of pressure upon me, that actually had taken me out, and I had no longer was experiencing and living in the experiential reality of the love of God. But I was actually feeling like now I'm, it's hard work and it's performance and it's a slog and I, I don't feel much joy and my relationships, are di- you know, I'm kind of feeling a bit scratchy and all of that, right? It's, uh, it was this, t- my heart had taken on the responsibility and to do the hard work and I'm like, I'm doing it for God. I'm, I'm doing this for you, Lord. So I know theologically that I'm loved, but I've stepped out of, in that moment, the reality of knowing, which is what Jesus is saying is to abide, which means to dwell, which means to remain, which means to stand under and live in the love of God. This this morning I was ironing my shirts, a new shirt that I got, I think, for my birthday from the girls, and um, it got into the wash, and then it got left in the wash, so it was super crinkly, and so this morning I actually took it, uh, well... Irrelevant story. This morning, I was, uh, I was ironing it, you know, I had a good, nice new iron, lots of water, pump, you know, yes, I iron, obviously, I don't iron very well, but, you know, I'm ironing, and I'm ironing, and I'm trying to get these crinkles out, and, and, um, and lot with lots of water, and it's sort of beginning to, to go, but then all of a sudden, it just, the, the iron started pulling out water, just like spewing water, and leaving big patches, and I'm like, what is going on? But why is the iron not working? And then I looked down and I realized that I had stood on the cable and I'd pulled it out of the socket. I disconnected myself from the source, right? And it wasn't then working. It didn't do the job it was meant to do. Now, the analogy kind of falls down because we can never unplug ourselves from the love of God. He's always loving us. But we know that we, in our own experience, we can live as if we're not in the love of God. Does that make sense? You see the distinction, right? So I'm not saying that you unplug yourself and you're out, and then you're back in, and then you're out, and then you're back in. It's not. It's not that. It's just, that, do I experience the joy and the love and the presence and the peace of Jesus? And so in the last few days, I've just been. The, the Father's just been you know, reminding me, washing over me. Actually, I'm loved. Whether I, you know, no matter all this stuff that I feel like I've got going on, whether I'm doing a good job with processing it or not, whether I'm being a great husband or not, which I haven't really been all the time, you know, whatever it is, His Father still loves me and I get to experience and tap into and live in and remain in the Father's love. In John chapter 14, at the beginning of John 14, Jesus says this, don't let your heart be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If I, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you there. Right? So, so there's a place in the Father. But then in around about verse 21 of John 14, he says, if you, are, if you love me and obey my commands, my Father, and I will come and make our home in you. So in other words, we have a home in the Father, but the Father also has a home in us. We have a home in Jesus in eternity, but Jesus also has a home in you and I. And we experience and we live in his love. And so our job, because what Jesus is saying here is abide in my love. In other words, it sounds like Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you could step out of abiding, but don't do it. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to stay in the love of God. Now, we don't want to make that hard work i going to really work to sort of experience the love of God. I'm going to work to experience love. No, that's not kind of how it works. How it works to experience love is just to experience it. It's to step back and to receive it. It's to, to remind ourselves. So I've been reminding myself and the Holy Spirit's been reminding me, hey, Murray, when I think about you, I smile. When I think about you, I'm happy. You're my happy thought. I love you. I'm the apple of you eye. I? I am. Preach it, brother. I am. And I'm, it's not just for me, it's for all of us. I love Jess's testimony because what she's talking about is learning how to respond differently. I once heard this, this guy, James Jordan, preach and I, I thought I said it, but he said it and I heard him say it, so I figured he must have said it first and I just picked it up for him without knowing because he's way smarter than I am. But he said this, the measure of the joy and peace that you live in in your life is the measure that you've understood and experienced the Father's love, right? In other words, the Father's love is meant to lead us to a place of joy because He's delighted to be with us and peace because we know He's going to take care of us. So I love what Jess was saying is learning how to respond differently because the love of God on the inside of her is actually causing her to realize, you know, I am love no matter what the circumstances. And of course, I'm so glad that the Father demonstrated how magnificent His love is towards Jess by healing her. I'm so glad that the Father's d- demonstrated His love for us in Jesus by sending Him to die for us, but not just for that, but actually, not just to explain the love of God, but actually to be able to say, this is what the love of God looks like. Concrete action both from a point of salvation, but also from the point of view of him healing bodies, setting captives free, and releasing people who were blind and all of those kind of things, right? The miracles are testimony to the love and the, the goodness of the Father. And so I, I love that we're to, so we're to remain in that love. We're to remain in a place where we understand and we know that we are, no matter what the circumstances, we are loved. And you know what? It's really important that we put our hope in the out, in the God of the outcome because the Bible says this that the, that all things work together for good that those who love him are called according to his purpose because he loves us, but we get into trouble when we decide what the outcome is that we're looking for and so for Jess I'm in glory that she got healed but just be, you know even if she didn't get healed the fact the truth remains it's her responsibility to live in the Father's love, to remain in the love, because she still is loved, right? And the proof of her getting healed or not getting healed isn't proof of whether God loves her or not. It's not like, is it like a, a, you know, when we were little, you have these daisy chains that you'd kind of pull off the the daisies of, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. Do you remember that little silly game? Anyone else play that game? You know, and then, oh, finished, and he loves me not. It's like, oh, you know, or in my case, it would be she loves me because, you know, so I get that round the wrong way. But, you know, you play those games. But so it's not like she, he, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. Oh, no. Oh, we've just run out. There's nothing left. No, there's still the love of the Father with us. And so we're to receive and walk and experience and enjoy the love of the Father. And it's on you and I to remain in his love because he loves us all the time, always, unconditionally in every dimension and every way. Well, that's good news. And you know, when it causes us to believe Him, as I said, to live in in love is to then therefore live in a life of joy and peace. And I was thinking about, you know, I've done a bit of reflecting over the last little while um, with, uh, you know, moving and all of that. And I was thinking about the testimony of, uh, of our building, and those of you that uh, are relatively new here, you may not know the story of our first building that we purchased in 9225 Leesville Road, which is over in Raleigh, and if you've heard this story before, you know, just laugh again, you'll be good. We, we were living, we were, we were in a, a very run-down building that the Holy Spirit opened up another building in this 922 Leesville Road to, to rent. And um, the deal was that we would put $50,000 down as, uh, as uh, like, a down payment, and then we would rent it for two years, and then we would buy it for $1.6 million at the end of that period, right? So, and that was a whole miracle in and of itself that we won't, won't go into other than just to say it was the favor of God. And so, at the end of those two years, the landlord said, oh, don't worry about, don't worry about buying it, we don't, we're good. But then about two or three months later, whatever it was... Um, he came and said, "Look, there's been a change. We need you to buy this. We need to buy that. We need to sell the building. Can you buy it?" And so we negotiated down to 1.4 and said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do." So me at the time, I was the church accountant. Ooh, funny, I come the church accountant again. I know it's full circle, um, <laughs> arrive and leave as a church accountant. Wonderful. And um, anyway, I went to the bank. I went uh, to nine different banks, and every single one of them, when they found out how old we were, which we were very young, and how long, you know, how few people we'd been, we had in that sense, and how many, uh, you know, people were giving and all of that. Although we were stoked about how amazing it was for the bank. Apparently no one wants to foreclose on God. So they were like, no, you've got to get higher than that. So we were like, okay, there was one bank that was just saying, yeah, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. And so Duncan and I, uh, we were going to Niger, West Africa, to distribute food. Uh, was Jess was with it? No, I don't think it was that trip that Jess was with us. Maybe Maybe it was, yeah. Anyway, digress. Um, and uh, so we, we went to Africa, but before we went, we just we felt by faith that we should sign on the, um, the dotted line to buy the building because the, the, just before we left, the the bank um, they came back to us and said, "Listen, really sorry, but the underwriters won't let us. What, you, you can't do it." And um, and so there was there was no offers on the table, but we just felt to to, to you know, particularly Duncan and Kate, Duncan had prayed this amazing prayer, which I haven't got time to go into, but you can read about it in his book, Consumed by Holy Fire. There you go. And um, it's definitely worth a good read. It's, it's, a, it's a good read. It's well worth it. Um, anyway, long story short, we, we arrived back from, um, from uh, Niger, West Africa, and we, uh, within a couple of weeks later, I was in the office, and I, there was a, a FedEx truck pulled up with some mail for Duncan. And, you know, I I I opened the mail, um, you know, because I was sort of in the habit of doing that because he, they were traveling quite a lot at that point. And so I opened the mail. Uh, I subsequently regretted it. But, you know, there's only things you can, there's some things you just can't take back, right? I've forever been known in the book as the guy who opened the brothers' letter, right? So, <laughs> the check. That's, was it you, Han? It was at a... Um, at Virginia Beach or something, and they're like, oh, it was your dad that opened the check. Yeah, 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 so there you go. Not only have I labeled it, but she's labeled it as well. So anyway, we, um, there was this letter that came in, envelope, opened it, and inside there was a letter from this uh, a donor-advised fund. They allow anonymous donations, and this, donat- this letter said, dear colleague, please find and close the check that the donor wants you to know that you can use in whatever way you want, uh, and it was in the sum of $1,200,000 dollars. And so we were like, oh, fantastic. Jesus, we worship you. We went to the landlord. We're like, well, we took, told the church. Of course, the church went ballistic. We had a giving day, and the church was very generous. You know, when we signed on the dotted line before we went to Niger, we had to put another 15000 down. So we were at, at risk with $65,000. And so we, we, but we, we just felt the Holy Spirit saying, sign and do it. So we did it. And then... Um, you know, came back, did, took, the, uh, took another offering. The church gave some more money, and we were like, "We're, we're twenty thousand short." And we're like, "Well, the, the bank will give us a loan for twenty thousand. No problem at all." You know, which bank isn't going to give us on a one point four million dollar, twenty thousand dollar loan? Anyway, about a, the next day or the next the day after, another FedEx truck, another letter, another dear colleague letter with a check for hundred thousand dollars. So we ended up with eighty thousand dollars more than we, than we needed to. Now, talk about a massive kiss from my heavenly daddy. Why was that? It wasn't because we were any better. We're not more special. We're not more, um, you know, loved by God than any other church. It's just he he chose to lavish his love upon us in that way. But there was a dimension of it that was obedience, There was a dimension where God said, do this, and we took took a step of faith, and we went into obedience. So the second point I want to make is this. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, he says in the chapter before, he, he basically puts it the other way around. In the chapter before, he says, because you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, here he's saying, obey my commandments because you love me, right? It's, it's maybe a slightly different order, but it's essentially just saying the same thing, that what he's saying is the, the source, the ground, the fountain of our obedience actually is the love of God. It's our, 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 our desire to do what's right, our desire to obey Jesus and to follow him is actually based out of the realities. Because you love him, obey, not obey to be loved, but because you love him, obey. And that's, that was Jesus' testimony of his own life. He says this, "I have kept my father's commandments and abide in His love." Now, I don't think Jesus was receiving love because he was abiding, but because he loved, he was being obedient. Right? And so he and, and you know what, I am so grateful for Jesus' obedience. Because if Jesus hadn't been obedient to the Father, if he hadn't loved him and then therefore done exactly what the Father wanted him to do, you and I wouldn't be going to heaven. Because that obedience out of the wellspring of Jesus' eternal love between him and the Father, that obedience, that perfect life is the life that you and I now have credited to our account so that we don't have to perform to achieve God's love because Jesus has already performed fully, and we receive His love. And so Jesus is saying here, look, because you love me, demonstrate the love that you have. Just like like I demonstrated, you demonstrate the love that you have. You demonstrate that by obedience. And this is a challenge for me. Can I be just real for for a moment? Because for me, in fact, Jesus was, you know, the Holy Spirit was sort of encouraging me yesterday. He said to me, you know, you, kind of, you I think you love the Gospels more than you love, the, sorry, you love the, the, the letters of Paul, the epistles. I think you love that a little bit more than the Gospels. And I'm like, why? Yeah, it's true, but tell me why. And, um, and he's like, because you can make a theology out of the letters, but you have to actually be confronted by Jesus' obedience, right? And it's, that's a confrontation for me, because I can read the Scripture because, out of a place of wanting to get knowledge, get information, learn how to live, you know, just, just learn how to be a better person, but actually miss the whole dynamic of it, which is, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. When was the last time you read the Bible with obedience as a mindset? It's pretty tough. Uh, if it was my words, you could throw some stones at me, but it's Jesus' words. This is, the, this is what Jesus is calling us to. Is he's calling us to a life of obedience. And so, my hope as we move to Toronto is that we get reports of the exceptional and glorious love that you guys have, that actually it's overflowing in obedience to God. But it's a choice, isn't it? And it's not just the big things like moving, but the little everyday things. And there has to be, there is, not just has to be, there is the reality, there's a cost involved. But Jesus is saying, out of love, let that obedience flow. My third point is this, that out of love, let joy flow. Because here's what Jesus is saying here in verse 11. Here's, I've spoken to you, these things to you. In other words, I, what I've taught to you about the Father's love and what I've taught to you about my obedience is a source of absolute joy for me. Because the Father loves me and I get to be obedient to him, I am full of joy. In fact, the Bible says in in Hebrews chapter 2 that God, because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness, God has anointed Jesus above everybody else with the oil of joy and gladness. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I want the joy that I have to be in you and to be complete in you. I want your joy to be full and complete. Therefore, I want you to know that you abide in the Father's love and you step in and walk in obedience and your life will be full of joy, my joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I want, our desire is for this would be one joyful community because we know, because we're loved unconditionally based on the performance of Jesus not our own performance, that he's always happy to be with us because joy is the primary emotion of love. So that's the third point. Third point? Yeah. Fourth point, love one another. Gosh, just gets the punches keep coming, don't they? Just keep rolling with it, you know? Love one another. Okay, well, that's easy when you think about the people that you like oh yeah, I can love somebody that looks like me and sounds like me and has the same opinions and beliefs about me. But Jesus then says, well, but just, just love your enemies. Oh, no, hang about. You're asking me to love somebody that has a different political opinion to mine? No, I can't. Never will I love a Democrat or a Republican or whatever else it might be, right? You wanted me to, you wanted me to love somebody that looks a bit different to me, has a different skin color to me? No way. You want me to oh, you know, love someone that's living in sin? No way. But here's what Jesus is saying: love one another, and there is a qualification. As I've loved you. Yeah. It. Yeah. Thank you. So the same way that Jesus has loved us is what He's calling us to love others, and that love, in verse thirteen, is this: is to lay your life down for someone else. What a challenge! For us, in this day where we're living in a more and more polarized society, where we're seeing greater and greater division even in the church, what a message where Jesus is saying, listen, because you abide in my love, love each other. Love that starts in heaven has to end up on earth. You can't, as as John says later on in 1 John, he says you can't say you're going to love God but hate the people around you. How do we hate people? We hate them when we ignore them. We hate them when we hate people when we um, when we don't want anything to do with them. We hate people when we when we pull them down, gossip and slander about them. When we write things on social media about what they believe in and you know whatever it might be, right? And Jesus is saying, love has to look like a horizontal dimension. Love each other. Love each other. I love I love the love that's in this community. I want to see more of it. I love the love that you have for each other, but we want to see more, don't we? We want to experience more of that, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Okay, the the fifth point is this. What's on offer, what Jesus is looking for, is intimacy. Because he says this, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. And because you're my friend, I'm going to show you everything that I am doing. It's just interesting, isn't it? John 5, Jesus says... That He has everything that the Father is doing, He shows Jesus, and Jesus does it. Jesus is seeing the Father in His love and doing it make, doing it in obedience. Then with this passage, and then maybe in John 14 as well, what, hap- what, what Jesus is saying is, I love you, and I'm going to show you everything that you're doing, that I'm doing. I love you, and I'm going to manifest myself to you. And so, it's a, like a, a, another cycle, another level for us that the Father, that Jesus wants to actually... Make known to us the things that he's doing as friendship that comes when we fear him. That's what Psalm 25 says. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is, I love you so much I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And so that place of intimacy, what I would love to hear is that we're becoming more and more intimate in our union with Jesus. And we're becoming more and more friends with Jesus. And we're hearing more and more about his heartbeat for the world around us. Earlier this year, I said to him, I was just just talking with him, and I said, Jesus, what makes you happy about this year? You know, and I'm bearing in mind, this is a personal thing, I'm sure there's many things that he ha- makes him happy about. But it will be an interesting question if you haven't asked him that question. Ask him that question. I said to him, what makes, me, what makes you happy? And then we're in the middle of, you know, the early part of the year of moving, of plans, of strategies, of what are we gonna, where are we going to live and all that kind of stuff. And he says, you know what I'm really happy about? I'm really excited about you moving to Canada and me unfolding all of the things, all of the plans and the purposes and the places that I have for you to stay and the friends that you've got and all of that. I'm super excited about looking at that. because I and, and that's a question that you ask your friend, right? Are you, what, are you, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? Okay, so there's intimacy. The final thing is this, to be fruitful. So Jesus says this, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I pointed you that you should go and bear fruit. To me, this is like a, a, a reset, like the whole, the whole cross, uh, death, resurrection that we celebrated today. What we're what we're celebrating is the reality of a new covenant uh, uh, that's being that's being made, a new promise between us and between God and humanity. But actually, not just that promise, but out of that promise, coming an entirely new. A race of humans, in a sense, of people that are now in Christ Jesus, not in Adam, but in Christ, right? And so, you know, when, when God made man in Genesis one twenty eight, it says that he, when he breathed life into him, he then blessed him and he said, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it," right? Genesis one twenty eight. When we get to the to, to the to this, you know, to Jesus. It's a little bit staggered, but so in John 20, Jesus breathes life into his disciples and says, receive the Spirit. So the Spirit comes in, the, the, the wind of the Spirit, the breath of God comes into them. And then here he's saying, and be fruitful. So to me that's like we're now a new humanity in Christ Jesus and there's a a new blessing that comes on. It's the same blessing but coming now in Christ that says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Not like a dominion place but just like a let the whole earth be filled with the love of God. And so Jesus' call for each one of us is that we would be abundantly fruitful, more fruitful, better, more fruit than where we currently are. And I celebrate every bit of fruitfulness in all of you in this church family. And I bless what the Holy Spirit's doing within you to make you abundantly fruitful. But I know that there's more. I know that there's more that the Father has for each one of us. And so, and one of the ways that we love, I, I think biblically that you can do, that you can bear the most fruit is to give your life away to other people and help them become all that God's called them to be. Which is a process Jesus would call making disciples. And so your call and my call is to find people that are around us that the Holy Spirit brings into our midst, that we're actually able to say, hey, walk with me, we'll do you each other good. And you can pour out your life and you can give what God's given you and you can put it into their life and you can receive from them what they've got and you can actually grow together. Being able to pour your life in through a connect group I want to shout out to all the connect group leaders that are in the room. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. You know, if you're in a connect group, find someone in that group. Don't be weird about it. Don't say, hello, I'm here to disciple you. That would be really weird. But just be friendly, love, and see what happens. But be open to giving your life away because the Father wants to make you abundantly fruitful in all that you do. And it's not based on your own ability. This is what I love about it. We haven't had time to look at the true vine and Jesus' analogy about Him being the vine and uh, Him being and we're the branches. But His whole deal before then an agricultural metaphor is basically there's sap that's flowing because we're connected to Him. There's the life of the Spirit that's flowing. And each one of us gets to bear fruit, not because of our own effort, not because of our good deeds, not because of our hard work, but because of the life of Jesus flowing on the inside of us. So multiply yourself and pray. That's what I mean, it's interesting it's connected here that whatever you ask for, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your communities. Pray for your work colleagues. Pray. Share your love. Share your life. Make disciples. Love people around you. See the kingdom of God grow. Come on. I want to hear a great report. We're excited about hearing some great reports. I want to invite you to stand if you would, please. And I just simply want to, I've shut my Bible, but I need to keep it open again. I simply want to bless you. I want to speak a blessing over you from this passage. So just open your hearts to receive a blessing, you know. Sometimes you think about it as just being words, but you can see from the story of Jacob and Isaac and uh, Esau that when Isaac blessed Jacob, it was by faith and it shifted something in his life. So not that I'm putting myself in the category of Isaac, but I'm just praying for a blessing over you guys. So I bless you to abide in love. I bless you to remain in the Father's love, no matter what the circumstances are. I bless you to be anchored so that the storms of life don't knock you off, but you remain centered in His love, and in His goodness. No matter what the outcome. I bless you to abide, to experience a daily, hourly, minutely, monthly, yearly experience of the overwhelming, rolling floods of the waves of God's love. That you would live loved. And out of that place of love, I want to bless you with obedience. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, it says this, break up the fallow ground. The fallow ground is ground in us that has not been tilled and is not bearing fruit. And so I want to bless you to allow the Holy Spirit and you together to break up that fallow ground and to seek His face and that every part of your life that isn't bearing fruit or isn't as bearing as much fruit as the Father would want That he would bear much fruit in you. And if you want to just make that commitment, just invite the Lord Lord, would you fill me? Would you help me to to break up that fallow ground to be abundantly fruitful? So I want to bless you with obedience. I want to bless you with joy. That you would be full of joy unspeakable, full of glory. That passage is in the context of great suffering and pain. No matter what comes, great joy. And I bless you to love. Love one another. Lay your life down. Bless you with intimacy. And I bless you with abundant fruitfulness. In Jesus' name. Love you all.